We're joined now by our powerhouse roundtable, ABC News political analyst Matthew Dowd, Shauna Thomas, Washington Bureau Chief for Vice News, Asted Herndon, national political reporter for The New York Times, and NPR congressional correspondent Susan Davis. Welcome to all of you. Great to have you here. And Matthew, I'm going to start with you. It's now week five of the shutdown. We've heard the president's offer. Uh, we heard the tweet. Mm -hmm. uh, you heard the reaction from both sides. Does does that speech, does this tweet today about amnesty perhaps in the future move the needle at all? Well, I find the president's one speech yesterday and his way he's conducted himself in the last few days odd at on three levels, really. First, he's describing this as a negotiation, but only Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell, and Jared Kushner met. So, And then they present him with a plan, never having met. With, the, with Nancy Pelosi or the Democrats on this, It'd be like you and I deciding what was good for NBC News and saying, here's our compromise, this is what we've decided. The second thing is, they call it a compromise, and this is a problem, the president calls this a compromise, that he created. He created the DACA problem, he created the refugee problem, and now he wants to say, I'm gonna solve the problem I created by you giving me $5 billion. It, to me, it doesn't make sense. And third, more, but really importantly, I don't understand what politics he thinks this is. The majority of the country is against the wall, the majority of the country doesn't approve of this president. 20, I think 29% only support it strongly. The majority of the country blames the president for this shutdown. And we had an election a few months ago almost on this exact issue, and the Democrats won historically. The president's party and the president lost, had historic losses on election day. So I don't get the politics of this for, for, and, and the negotiation tactics and the compromise of this. Does anybody get the politics on this one? No. Oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> unanimous. Not yeah, really, but I think also from his speech, he was trying to signal something because he very specifically said in that speech, I don't want a 2,000-mile concrete border wall. He said all the things that we've heard before about how there are mountains and rivers and there's other things to stop it. So he's trying to sound at least like he's coming to the table, even if, as you know, Matthew pointed out, that none of the things he's offering are, are things that will actually bring the Democrats to the table because they think, one, this should be argued about once the government is reopened or the parts of the government that are closed to reopen, and two, he created some of these problems himself. And, and what about that, the amnesty? I, I mean, the tweet was really interesting. Um, Democrats turned down my offer yesterday before I even got, but he'll work out amnesty perhaps in a future deal. Mm -hmm. Is that something, Esther? Yeah, I mean, it's something that he's trying to signal that he's trying to make a compromise. And we heard that in the shift in rhetoric and now in the shift of, of, of policy, whether it's a problem he created or not. But I think it's interesting, you read the Ann Coulter tweet earlier, that this has a risk of angering his own base. I mean, this is a base that he is actually whipped against this issue, saying things like DACA. If they didn't like yesterday, they won't like what they saw today. Exactly. And I'm saying things like DACA, things like TPS are things that they stood against. And now uh, for a border wall that he said that he alone could do, that he would do kind of unilaterally, he's offering things that they may not love. And so it's interesting the politics here because it might have a risk of angering the conservative base while Democrats are united against it already. This is an issue they find kind of morally enraging. And so Democrats aren't going to budge at all, but who might budge are some conservatives who are still sticking with them who don't like these things he's offering. And, and Susan, this comes a week after President Trump and Speaker Pelosi yeah. traded some very big jabs, one about the State of the Union, but Pelosi calling on the president to delay that. But Trump, President Trump canceling effectively yeah. her trip to Afghanistan. Does this really make the matters worse? Yes. I mean, this is not going to be a Ronald Reagan, Tip O'Neill kind of relationship between Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi. 
What Nancy Pelosi has in an advantage here is she has worked with Republican presidents before. She was speaker under George Bush. They had to cut some uncomfortable deals. She knows how to do it. I think the president's adjusting to having uh, a very strong opposition on Capitol Hill, which is something he has not had to face yet as president. And I think the, they're tr trying to figure out how to do this. You talk to the point of the conservative base. Let's not forget the Democratic base in this debate, right? If you look at how that, the, what the president offered yesterday was being received by immigration rights activists, by the dreamer community, they are saying, under no circumstances should you accept this deal. So why does Nancy Pelosi or any other Democrat on Capitol Hill, coming off of this election where they just won big, look at what the president has put on the table and say anything but, no way. And I think part of Martha, part of the thing is, I mean, I, I, I get the moral equation of this, but every time somebody uses the moral language, it automatically backs everybody into a corner. I think the real question is, what's the efficiency of this? I mean, if you break apart this problem into three sectors is, this won't solve, the wall as he's proposing, won't solve the drug problem, as we know all the open the stats where drugs come in and all that. It won't solve the terrorist problem. If, when you take a look at the terrorists, where they come in, where they are, you actually, if you wanted to build a wall, you'd build it on the northern border. Interesting quarter. that Gillibrand was talking about terrorists. And if you really believe this was a humanitarian crisis, as the president's now saying, which is now different, well, I don't understand. If he believed it was a humanitarian crisis, why did he send the military down there before Election Day? If you believed it was a humanitarian crisis, this wall isn't the first point in doing that. You'd have a multilateral meeting with Guatemala and El Salvador and Mexico, and you'd sit down and say, how do we solve this? So even if you just looked at from an efficiency standpoint of government and how we should spend our money on those three things, you wouldn't be doing what the president proposes. And, and, and Sean, I want to ask you about Mitch McConnell, who hasn't really been seen much in this, but apparently is going to bring this bill to the floor this week. Well, and there was some reporting that Mitch McConnell basically wanted the president to do something public and put this out there so that he had some cover when he brought it to the floor because no Senate majority leader wants to bring something to the floor that you can't get the votes for. The question is, he still has to get cloture on this and you may be in a situation where you have the Senator Dick Durbin's Democrats of the world voting against some of these protections for DACA and TPS, but because it's really a moral conversation about what the wall means, even though the president is backing off what it physically means, Democrats don't have to give this to Mitch McConnell. And, and as said, federal workers have already missed one paycheck, and if this continues, they'll miss a second paycheck, and that's really having a devastating impact on some of them. Right. I mean, there's the political games here, and there's, there's very real consequences for a lot of federal workers. I mean, we've seen kind of devastating scenes of, of food lines for folks who have jobs in, in D.C., but are furloughed right now. And I think the impact, as it gets more uh, uh, real, we are seeing that have, an, uh, we're seeing that have a kind of viral Internet effect, and we're seeing just increasing pressure put on the president and put on Republicans, I think, specifically, to kind of look at those folks and, and, and to solve that in a more humane way. And so I think that when we get to uh, things like paychecks and missing second paychecks. These are mortgage payments. I mean, these are these are real impacts that are having on, on people's lives. And that is kind of the, the first thing that kind of should be brought to mind here. Well, it, go ahead. And I, and I also think as it goes on longer and longer and you miss that second paycheck, February 1st, when people actually have to pay their rent, will become like a very big day in the sand, number one. And number two, you start to have the concentric circle effect, really. So like, what are those towns that rely on the people whose jobs are Bureau mm -hmm. of Prisons workers? There's not as much money flowing into those towns. I mean, we had Delta basically say they're losing $25 million because the government just isn't traveling the way it is. And, and that's what will affect more than those exactly. 800,000 for and sure. 
security of the country. Yeah. I mean, that's fundamentally the security of the country is at risk. And, 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 and Susan, I want to go back to you on the Hill and, and the State of the Union. Yeah. And we know that Nancy Pelosi said you should skip it because of security and other things. Or put it in writing. Uh, Donald Trump said this morning in a tweet, I'm still thinking about the State of the Union. So many options, including doing it as per your written offer made during the shutdown. Security is no problem. And my written acceptance... Well, a contract is a contract. I'll get back to you soon. What do you think that means? The president has options. You know, he doesn't have to give it from the House chamber, but there's other places he can give it. There's talk of maybe going to state capitol and giving it there. We talked about this before where he had some offers extended in North Carolina to come give it there. He could give it out with workers saying he's fighting for the wall. He could give it from the White House. I think it's safe to say the president's going to make a statement about this, and the White House is maximizing the highest political impact of how they can take this tit for tat and try and get the upper hand. And, and I want to move on to the Russia investigation and Mueller. Pretty shocking this week and, and nearly unprecedented that the special counsel's office would come out with a statement disputing part of BuzzFeed's report alleging the president directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. That's truly unprecedented. Doesn't look good for the media. What do you think happens? I, I, Kirsten Gillibrand thinks it still needs to be looked at. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see how it plays out. I mean, this was certainly a bombshell report, uh, one that had lawmakers talking about impeachment. They had the caveat if true, right? And now we have seen that really come into focus. The the rarity in which the special counsel's office puts out these type of statements I mean that we should really take this seriously. They're putting out one of these denials that that means that we don't know which parts of this BuzzFeed report are accurate. BuzzFeed has asked them to clarify. The special counsel's office has not, but it puts us in the kind of iffy. Situation situation, right? That we don't know uh, uh, which parts of this bombshell report are true, but we'll see increasing investigations. We'll see lawmakers want to poke at some of these uh, uh, lanes that the report has opened up. And as we get further and further along, they might be vindicated. It might be fully rejected. It, it also made me think of all of the stories, the countless stories that the special counsel's office has not disputed. Exactly. Exactly. I've never gotten an email back from the special counsel's press office that was more than like half a sentence long. <laughs> so the fact that they came out, but there's been all these other stories, right? And the special counsel is basically saying no comment to those. So should I believe they're all true as well? Um, and it opens the special counsel's uh, office up for basically kind of confirming everything else in a weird way. But I also think this just pulls into focus that the only guy who knows what's going on is Mueller in the special counsel's office. And it also helps in some ways Nancy Pelosi quell all of the House members who may want to talk about impeachment. Okay, so like we can't go down the BuzzFeed impeachment route. Why don't we just wait for Mueller? But not a great week for the media, Matt. We got to go. Well, well, I, I just think well, this is a time when the media and everybody ought to approach everything calmly and methodically. But for the president and his supporters to like accuse the media of making mistakes, they're not the best vehicle. Hi everyone, George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.